0: So yeah, let's, let's look at the scriptures and the thoughts this morning. Uh, in the gospel of Matthew chapter, eight, uh, chapter 9, we're not going to turn there, but Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, the Bible speaks of the Lord of the harvest. And I really want us to get an understanding of this. Because Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. And perhaps automatically we'll go to the thought that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. And he was talking about souls. He was talking about people. He was talking about, you know, the the laborers of a few. But the harvest is great. Do you know what? I believe that we're still living in days where the harvest is great. Where God is saying, come on, church. Liven up. Look. Live your life. Live your life as a witness for me, because the harvest is still ripe for the picking. There are still souls that are looking for Jesus, for answers in their world. There are still people at work, in your workplace, who are stuck. And he said, the Lord, he's the Lord of the harvest. But I believe that we need an understanding or a revelation of the, the fact is that the Lord is the harvest in all aspects. He's not just the Lord of the Harvest of Souls. He's the Lord of the Harvest. You know, harvest food. You know, when you think, I'm just, you know, I guess you you, you harvest grain, um, like harvest rice. Just trying to work out what I've got, in my hand. You harvest rice in the in the rice fields. I was going to pick up spaghetti. I don't think you really harvest spaghetti, do you? But you know, you you, you harvest crops. You harvest these things. Who gives the rain? Who gives the, the, the ability for the sun the, 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 and all that's needed for the nutrients to be in the ground that's going to produce a harvest? It's God. God is the one. He is the Lord of the natural harvest. He is the Lord of spiritual harvest in our life. When, when we, we give to God of our heart and we give to God of our time and we give to God, do you know what? who brings harvest back into our life? Give and it shall come back to you. It doesn't necessarily refer to finance. It actually refers of your heart, giving of yourself to God. As you give of who you are, it will come back. The blessing of God, the favor of God, the things that God wants to bring into your life, they will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So there is a natural law called harvest, but there's also a spiritual law that is called harvest in our life. And unless we open up our hearts bigger than just the natural, we will always just focus on, well, you know, come, come August, September time, the tractors and the combines are out in the harvest fields and they're bringing in the harvest. But actually, every seed you sow, there is always going to be a harvest. Every word you speak is a seed that goes into the ground that will produce a harvest. Every action you do is actually you sowing into the life of maybe the church. Maybe you're sowing into a, uh, a community group. Maybe you're sowing into caring hands. Whatever it is, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And, and, and this law, this principle of the law of seed, time, and harvest is the way in which God has deemed the way in which increase happens upon the earth. It is his law of increase. It's his law of productivity. It's his way of increasing things in our life. You know, you talk to any farmer and and perhaps he's going out sowing a grain of some form. He goes out to sow. He's got a handful of seed, and he goes out to sow. I know it's a bit old-fashioned. You know, These days, they've got all machinery and mechanized. I know. But just think, seed in his hand. And he goes out, and he sows the seed. Do you know what? He doesn't just take that grain and think, oh, well, I've got 10 seeds in my hand. I'm going to go and sow 10 seeds in the ground, and therefore, I'm going to get 10 heads of crop. That's not what happens. He takes his ten seeds. He throws his ten seeds into the ground, knowing that there's going to be a harvest—not a ten, but a hundredfold return. Some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold harvest on what he's sown. That, to me, I don't understand why we're not all farmers. Because if we all farm like that, we would have increase like no one's business. I guess if, if one of you has to go out to work, the other one could be a farmer. But you know what I mean, you know, seed is multiplied. It's a principle. And I want to take us back to the book of beginnings. I want to take us to the book of Genesis because this is where it all begins. And because it's a law that God has put down that will never change, where do we look? Whenever you want a reference point of where something is first mentioned, you go back to what is called the law of first mention. And very often that will take you to Genesis, because there is in the book of beginnings, there are so many things that are established as principles. So we're going to look in in Genesis chapter 1. You can't get closer to the beginning of the Bible, and it's uh, verse 11. And God is saying these things. Then God said, and I want to qualify something here, who are we to stand against what God says? we, We have no choice in this. This is what God says happens. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its own kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its own kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I, it's, it's as simple as that. I, you, you've heard me over the years say each year, I put some more grass seed on the ground. I've done it again this year. Put more grass seed on the ground, and it's come up, and it looks lovely. And I've put some I've put some fertilizer stuff down on it as well to kill the weeds and make it look greener. And it's worked. And it's like the, the weeds have died, and the except for patches now I've gotten the grass... The weeds have gone, there's patches, but the grass is much greener. It's great. But there's a principle. You sow, you wait, seed, time, harvest comes. And that is what's happened in the garden. That's what happens in the farmer's field. That is what happens in your life, even when you're not aware of it happening. When you, sow, when you speak, you sow seed. God said... This is now going to be a law and a principle upon the earth. He said it, and it was so. When we speak, we sow seeds. It may be seeds of joy. It may be seeds of happiness. It may be seeds of encouragement. It may be seeds of blessing into people's lives. And guess what? You're going to reap. You're going to reap a harvest of blessing and joy and and provision into your life. You sow seeds of discontentment, sow seeds of division, sow seeds of negativity. Guess what's going to harvest in your life? You're going to feel negative. You're going to experience negativity. You're going to experience people around you who are always speaking negatively. It's a law that was established in the book of Genesis, and it has continued to today. In fact, it, it, it happened at the beginning, and it will continue beyond our lifestyle, our lifetime here on earth. Unless Jesus comes back, it will go to the end of the earth and it will complete its full journey. God wants us to believe in the principle of sowing and reaping, or seed, time, and harvest. Now, let's move this on a little bit quicker. In Genesis chapter 8, you know, we saw that sin was rampant on the earth, that the, the heart of man was to do evil continually. And God said, I can't, this is mad. I, if, if I don't do something, this, the world is going to go out of control. So we know that there was one righteous man called Noah, and Noah was the only man who was on the, well, him and his family were on the ark, and he saved them. And this is what happened the moment that Noah stepped back out of the ark. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, It says, then Noah built an ark to the Lord. Sorry, built an altar to the Lord. He built the ark for the animals and himself. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a smoothing aroma. See, if you've ever wondered what God's best food is, it's barbecue. All right? I read that in the week and I thought, God loves barbecues. All right, uh, work that one out yourself. So he took every animal, he took every clean one, and he burnt, he had an offering, and he burnt them on the offering. That's how I do barbecues. I burn everything that's on the barbecue. And the Lord smelled, smelled a smooth and aroma. And the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the earth or, or the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil, even from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Listen to this in verse 22. While the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. It's there in the Bible. At the beginning, when he first created, and then again, after he had had to deal with what was happening on the earth, he then reestablishes this thought. We need to take a hold of this because if you're sowing negative seeds into your children, you're going to experience a negative harvest in your children. As parents, if we sow positive seed, encouraging seed, life-building seed into our children, you will get life-strong and stable kids in your home. It's a principle. It's here in black and white. Well, I put it in red. I love the promises of God. They are real. They are eternal in our life. Whilst the earth remains, or we remain on this earth, this principle is either working for you, or it's working against you. But the law is established. Is, is it just an Old Testament principle? I want to show to you that this isn't just an Old Testament principle. Because some people will say, well, that's of the Old Testament. That doesn't necessarily apply to us today. It absolutely does apply to us today. I want to take you to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapters... 4 and verse 26 to 29. Today, like I say, is a laying the foundation because if we don't get this, I can say what I like and you won't believe me or I can say what I believe the Lord's given me and you still won't believe me. If we see the principal foundation, you have to believe God. You have to believe his word. So this is what it says in the New Testament. Mark chapter 4. And he said, this is Jesus speaking. This is Him, red. And he said, the kingdom of God... Is as of a man, um, is as it, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. Why? Because the law of the of the of first principle, the law that God set down in Genesis, is there. He says, first the blade. Then the head, after that, the full grain in the head. But when the uh, grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Seed, time, harvest. Old Testament, New Testament. It's a kingdom of God principle. Whatsoever a man sows and a lady, whatsoever mankind sow, that is what they're going to reap. He who wants friends must first show himself friendly. When nobody in the church is friendly, well, perhaps show yourself friendly first. Sow and reap. It's there, it's, 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 it's evident. You can't blame a church for being unfriendly when you're not friendly yourself. Be friendly and you will reap friendship around you. It's there in black and white in the bible. So it's an old testament and a new testament principle that will never fail. So I'm not talking just about barley corn or grain. I'm not talking about just uh, your grass seed or your tomatoes whatever it was is that you sow. I'm talking about finances. Whenever we do an offering, whenever you put money into the offering, whenever you write your check or do your direct Debit, whatever. See, it's very, you know, we've changed, during COVID, we changed over to doing a standing order. So I never, we never now have to think, oh, I've got to do my offering. It just comes out. It's so easy then to begin to forget. And it just goes out of the bank, goes out of the bank. Do you know what? I have to purposely remember. No, I give to God monthly of my first fruit of my income. It's, it's about first fruit. You know, every seed that I sow, Tithe, we we tithe. We tithe off the top of what God has placed into our life. It's the absolute. Why would I give God less? Because God can make all grace abound so that I have seed to sow. So it's about giving to God. Financial seed. Friendship seed. He who wants friends must first show himself. You know, you may turn around and say, Well, there's no one in the church that I get on with or I'm close with. Build relationships. Grow those relationships. Take time to find people that you can trust so that you can open up your heart. And then it's word seed. Not just what you say, but what he said. When we begin to speak his word and release his word, he said, my word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish that for which it was sent what is that that seed time and harvest can you imagine right now if you really really believe this and you believe that there's a seed time and harvest you wouldn't give to god to get back but in giving to god you know you'll get back is that right you know, I guess if you're quite carnal, you may say, well, if I give God this, he's going to give me so much more. I'm going to get a massive harvest. I'm going to give him more often and more offering." But you know what? God sees the heart when we give. So if we give with the wrong heart and a wrong motive, then he's not going to give, you know, that's where the love of money is the root of all evil. But if we give with the right heart, with the right motive, and we give and give and give, A generous generous heart increases all the more, the Bible says. So it's getting our heart right in these areas. And then the final scripture, I think it's my final scripture, is this. It's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And this is key, absolute key when it comes down to these truths. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says this Do not be deceived. And I'm going to read it from this translation because it just opens it up. Do not be deceived or, and, and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at or scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretension or professions, or by the, his precepts being set aside. You know, he's not going to be mocked when we turn around and say, well, I'm not going to give, or I'm not going to be friendly, or I'm not going to sow seeds. God's not going to be mocked by this. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he will reap. It's incredible. And this is why it's so important to be sowing right seed. Because if we're sowing division, then only division, you have a divided heart, a divided mind. A double-minded man it would be unstable in all his ways. We can't afford to sow division because that, was, that will be what you are inside. We can't afford to, to be stingy in our approach to others. Like I say, a generous man gives and there's no sorrow with it. You know, we just need to have this mindset. You know, I'm going to read the same scripture from the King James Version. It says, Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And as we finish, I'm going to break down these thoughts. The word deceived comes from the Greek word planio, and it means to lead astray. See, when people try and deceive you, or this world tries to deceive you, it will lead you astray. To stagger, To be led off course by someone's influence and led in the wrong direction. That's what being deceived is. And here God is saying, do not be deceived. And there are people who are going around trying to deceive or trying to distract or trying to, to water things down. No, Paul here in the Bible is saying, come on, church, don't be deceived. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. There is only one truth. And that is the word of God. There is only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Don't allow people to distract you or deceive you from it. Do not be deceived. And then it says, God is not mocked. You know, let's let's not be in that place. That word mocked in the Greek is um, ridazua." I'm not very good at Greek. (laughs) The first one I got away with because it sounded good. It's about that long. I can't pronounce it. But it means to, to turn one's nose up as if to sneer and mock the person. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You may think you can. You think you can turn your nose up as if it doesn't matter. But it does to God. God will not be mocked. And it actually means this. The idea is, you don't... For someone to come up to you, and let me say, I'll pick on you, is, is if someone's coming up to you and saying, do you really believe that God is going to bring a harvest? See, sometimes that's why we don't give. Because we think... will I really get a harvest? I could do with that money. I could do with paying that. I could do with this. Or I don't know if I will talk to that person. I don't know if I can befriend that person. I don't know if I, I want to become vulnerable in this area. But God is not mocked. We cannot turn our nose up at his word. Whatever he says in his word is true. We cannot turn our nose up and say, I believe these parts of the Bible but you won't catch me doing that part. I believe that God is true, and the Bible says every man is a liar. God is true. This is where we need... This is where, the, uh, if, if you like, this is... this is. I guess we nail our colors to the mast. This is where it's either true and we believe it, or this is a load of rubbish, and I might as well walk away. I absolutely believe what I do, or else I wouldn't be doing what I do, because I... By nature I'm shy I by nature um, would be happily sat in the back corner in, in the back end of the room. naturally. But God got a hold of my life and said, "No, this, this is what I want you to do. Teach my people truth." In fact, what He called me to do is feed my sheep. And I had that so clearly at the top of Sedgley Grove in, in Elson. feed my sheep my answer to him was feed them what I didn't read the bible I I knew nothing about Christianity and church feed them what but God did a work in my heart and began to change me and change me whatsoever a man sows that will he reap so the idea is will we mock God by turning our nose up you know, when he says, would you be a witness to me in all the nation? Would you be a witness to me? And we say, "Oh, I don't know if that person at work will hear what I have to say. You just turn your nose up, but God may be preparing their heart to hear, and he may be using you as the vessel to speak. When God says, Will you rob me in finances in tithes and in offerings? You say, ooh, that must be an Old Testament principle and you turn your nose up. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm sorry, it does. We can't be walking around turning our nose up. God is not mocked. The word sow. Whatsoever, whatsoever a man sows, that word sow is sapiro. <laughs> ha I can do that one. <clears throat> There's only five letters. Um which refers to any seed or any kind of seed that is sown. So it's not the hot, just the herbs and the crops and, and, and the fruit trees. It includes our finances, our time, our attitudes to work, our, uh, the words that we speak. It includes all those things. What, whatsoever a man speaks, and it's everything included. Because everything that we sow or speak or do, is a seed that is sown and there will be a harvest that comes. There will always be a harvest to the words you speak, to the gifts you give, to the attitude that you carry. There will always be a harvest. Therefore, my, my encouragement is be careful of the sowed, seeds you sow. Sow good seed reap good harvest. You know, I, I, I like things simple. Good seed, good harvest. Poor seed, poor harvest. Does that make sense? So let's be good sowers of good seed. And listen to this, the level at which you sow will be a direct response of what you reap. Sow little, reap You're getting there. So lot. We're losing it here. Okay, let's try this again. I'll make it as simple as I can. So. Where did I start? (laughs) So little, reap. So lot, reap. So inconsistently, reap. (laughs) So regularly, reap. We got there. Praise the Lord. So, but guess who determines the harvest? It's, it's not God. He has prepared everything. It's us. If we want friends, guess what? God is not going to go up to Darren and say, Darren, Darren, go and speak to him. He needs a friend. He may do that. But actually, what I need to do is go... Hi Darren, uh, or hello, what's your name? I've forgotten. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) We need to step out. We need to make connection. We need to make the effort. We need to sow the seed. By making that connection and shaking hands, you've sown a seed. Guess what will come? Harvest. If I make one friend... And then I oh I guess I'd best go here first. Hello, my name's Jeff. How are you? What's yours? Kerwin. Good to see you. Why has everyone in this church got two names? It's like Kerwin. No, it's Romeo. No, your name is Kerwin, Romeo. It's like, why confuse me? Let me make another friend, Brian. Brian, Phil. Oh no. (laughs) Phil, nice to meet you, Phil. Is it's it's is We've, see, now I've made three friends. Ah, Marlo. I know you, Marlo. How you doing, Marlo? All right. No, oh, Jerry, Jerry. Hang on, I'm spreading something here. Aren't I? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm all right. Jerry. Uh, um, Josh, I know you're my yeah. son. But uh, <laughs> I, I've never, I, I'm expecting a harvest. I'm not just, uh, would you talk to me? I want to be your friend. I've made harvest of friends. I've made connection. Guess what? Next week, I'm expecting each one of those guys to come up to me and say, Hi, Jeff. I, I, it's great to see you. Oh, I don't feel all alone all of a sudden. Can you see how simple this is, but how complicated we make it? There are people in this room. I've I, I struggled with names, I, I have to admit. And it's because <laughs> everyone's got two. You know, Shane, Michael. Jeanette, Nettie, Romeo, Kerwin. I could go around a room. I reckon that there's just. And then it's like, then you change your hairstyle, and I don't understand. And that's not just the ladies, it's the guys as well. It's like, what's up with you lot? This is how this scripture in Galatians could be read. Let me read it. Don't look at it, don't look at the screen. Just listen to what I'm saying. It could be read this way. Stop letting people lead you astray from the truth. You might try to turn your nose up at God's law, but it won't change the law. It remains true that whatever you regularly and habitually sow, regardless of what it is, that is exactly what you regularly and habitually reap. Let that just sink. See, if you want your children to walk with God for the rest of their life, guess where you need to put them? In the plum pot of God's house. He who is planted in the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. If you want to see your children in an eternal relationship. Go to be with him in heaven. Get him in the the soil of God's house. Or else what you've sown, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it doesn't matter if we miss a week. It doesn't matter if we miss two weeks. It doesn't matter. Guess what you're doing? You're missing opportunities for seed to be sown into their heart. I'm not saying that because I want you all here every week. I'm saying that because I see the value of sowing into our children's lives over and over, and I have seen too many parents who get to the end of, of bringing up their teenagers, and their teenagers are not in church, and they think, why? Why didn't it happen? I'll tell you why. It starts with what you sow, and it ends up in where you harvest. Not every time. There are other circumstances that... Are, But you know your heart. Am I getting my kids in the house of God, in the soil of God's house? And are they in the plant pot? Because the Bible says, not me, he who is planted in the house will flourish in the courts of our God. That is so key in this journey. I'm going to finish with this. If we're going to reap what we sow, we need to consider the seeds we're sowing because the harvest will come. Jesus said this. He was put into the ground as the first seed, the first fruit. And when he rose from the dead, he died for you and I. And every time a person says yes to Jesus, they are added as the harvest of what he gave. Jesus died so that we could live. Isn't that amazing? Uh, If you ever wonder why I get so excited about my my Jesus, at prayer meeting, me and Jane, in the prayer meeting earlier on this morning, it was such a joy. It was just, you know, I had to open my eyes at one point just to see what was happening in the room. And I was moved to tears seeing my wife worship God it was beautiful husbands bring your wife to the prayer meeting and see your wife worship him see there's three people in this relationship you, me and God and the greatest expression sometimes you'll ever see of God is in the expression you see in your husband or your wife as they worship absolutely beautiful. I love their prayer meeting this morning. It's just me, Jane, and, and the music going. You shove a bit of music on there. Just, but we were just in there worshipping and praying and declaring and praying for you all that you would encounter, you know, an aspect of God like we have and that we would enc- encounter more of who God is so that we can all grow and know him even more. But you know what the greatest thing, and we pray this most weeks, I pray it most days actually, for salvations of hearts. I want to get to heaven knowing that I've sold my life out to reach others and to give to others. And today, the greatest thing that you as an individual can do, whether you know God or whether you want to know God, whether you've never known anything about God the greatest thing you can do is to say here I am I'm a seed you're a human seed I'm going to put myself in the ground so that I can live for you as a harvest for others so that my life becomes a harvest so today we're going to close we're going to finish a little bit later than we would do normally I do apologize for that We're going to pray a very simple prayer. Who was playing? Sam, can you just come and tinkle the keyboard? (laughs) Tinkle the keys. (laughs) And I'd like us to pray at this moment because what we're dealing with, we're dealing with, we're dealing with eternity. We're dealing with eternity in people's lives every single Sunday. Someone once said to me, they said, um, you know, what do you think your value of what you do as a job should be? And I've never really, I never really considered it. And then I read something in a book that turned around and likened the job of a pastor to that of a life-saving surgeon. Because I've always felt this weight of responsibility for souls. And when you realize that when you stand out the front, it's God who saves, it's God who ministers, it's God who begins to cause the, the heart to flutter in the inside. But do you know what? There is still a weight on my shoulders that what I bring week in, week out drops into the heart of the saved and the unsaved alike. It is the weight of a skilled surgeon who is about to do a life-saving operation and if they don't get it right, they die. I tell you what, that is such a weight. God puts such a love in my heart for people that it... Just as, I suppose, as, as, as the Bible says, God so loved the world. I guess I couldn't do this job without that, the love of God being in my heart. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. I went from a person who hated everyone except for my big brother. Hated everyone. But God took that heart of hate and put in a heart of love. and today we're going to pray a prayer because that's my love for you but his love it knows no limit it has no bounds last, last week I, it was such a joy to me I saw four young people who gave their life to Jesus and a, and a, and a brute of a guy who gave their life to Jesus last week the week before there was somebody else but the week, last week Jesus wants to speak into your life. And I'm going to ask you to pray this very, very simple prayer. And we're going to ask everybody else to join in. Make as much noise as you pray as you like. Pray after me. Jesus, I come to you today as a humble seed. A humble person that needs you. Jesus today I thank you that you died for me and you rose again for me and today I choose you I choose you as my Lord and my Saviour and Lord my seed will become your harvest in Jesus name Amen while every head is bowed and every eye closed if you prayed that prayer today and you may have been in church for years and you may have had religion or you grew up in a church and your parents had a great relationship with God but you haven't or you're seeking and you're searching for God and you haven't got the answers but you prayed that sincerely in your heart while every head is bowed and every eye closed in this room I'm just going to ask you to do one thing as a step of faith. And that's to put up your hand and acknowledge you prayed that prayer. I'm going to count to three. And then I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer this morning, just pop up your hand. If you prayed that prayer and you say, God, I long to know who you are. I'm searching. I'm seeking. If there's anybody in this room and you say, I've, I've never understood. My parents were saved, but I'm not. If that's you. I'm going to count down for five. don't want to prolong this moment. Five, four. Three, two, one. I see your two little hands. Father, I thank you right across this room. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we may may comprehend more of you. Help us to understand this principle of this law that has never changed and will never change. And Lord, I pray that it will spark such a joy that every time we say something, we look behind to see where the harvest is. Every time we sow a financial gift, we look to see your blessing coming into our life. Every time we go to make a new friendship, I pray, Lord, that there will be harvests in our lives. Thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the people you've brought into our world in this congregation. I thank you for every single one of them. Lord, bless them and keep them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you.